Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, December 1st, 2015. Today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page 9, starting with paragraph 1. And today's readers are The 12 Steps, Janice M., The 12 Traditions, Diane G. Reading the text today is Nicole S., Chelsea H., and Martha Z. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, November 30th, 2015, is 8234. 8234. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Janice M. to read the 12 steps. And thank you, Melanie. Um, And everyone, my name is Janice M. These are the 12 steps of OA. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves, could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God Remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation, to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Yes. Thank you, Janice M. I will now ask 
Diane G. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Diane G. from New Hampshire, a recovered, not cured, compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions, number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Number two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, leads problems of money, property, and prestige, prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Melanie, and I pass. Thank you, Diane G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we, are, we will resume our study of the big book on page 9, starting with paragraph 1, moving clear through paragraph 5, focusing on that fifth paragraph that starts with, I was aghast and ends with last longer than his preaching. And I will ask Nicole S. to begin our study today. Hi, this is Nicole S. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Colorado. My musing was interrupted by the telephone. The cheery voice of an old school friend asked if he might come over. 
he was sober. It was years since I could remember his coming to New York in that condition. I was amazed. Rumor had it that he had been committed for alcoholic insanity. I wondered how he had escaped. Of course he would have dinner, and then I would drink openly with him. Unmindful of his welfare, I thought only of recapturing the spirit of other days. There was a time we had chartered an airplane to complete a jag. His coming was an oasis in this dreary desert of futility. The very thing, an oasis. Drinkers are like that. The door opened and he stood there, fresh-skinned and glowing. There was something about his eyes. He was inexplicably different. What had happened? I pushed a drink across the table. He refused it. Disappointed but curious, I wondered what had gotten into the fellow. He wasn't himself. Um, what's all this about, I queried. He looked straight at me. Simply but smilingly, he said, I've got religion. I was aghast. So that was it. Last summer, an alcoholic crackpot. Now I suspected a little cracked about religion. He had that starry-eyed look. Yes, the old boy was on fire, all right. But bless his heart, let him rant. Besides, my gin would last longer than his preaching. Um, what, what really stands out to me in this is just that he stood there fresh-skinned and glowing and something about his eyes. And I think it's so, um, it, it's so obvious when, when people are in recovery. And I remember when I very first went, went to my very first OA meeting and um, saw some, some people there that there was, there was just something different about them. They were, they were glowing. Um, they could, you know, when they, when they talked, you could tell that there was something different in how, in how they talked. And um, that's what, what recovery does. And instead of, I remember when I was in the food and, you know, just um, mentally tortured from binging and, and purging and just the, the absolute um, torture that I was in. And I, I didn't have that fresh skin, didn't glowing. It was the opposite. It was just, um, you know, the look of misery and pain on my face. And, you know, my body wasn't healthy looking. And um, recovery, though, it's, it's noticeable. It can be seen in, in people physically and also just in, in how they look and how they act and like a glow in their eyes. And um, this is just a wonderful story, um, how it's going to end up. And um, thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Nicole. And just for folks to know, we did a fair bit of reading there, which is great. But our focused share of experience, strength, and hope will be on that paragraph that starts with, I was aghast, and then ends with, last longer than my preaching. Who would like to comment on that paragraph? Larry. Reva P. Okay, I have, um, let's see, did I see, have Reva P., Chrissy M., Larry K. Did I hear Nancy at all? I'm not sure. If not, I'm going to go um, in this particular order, actually. Larry K., Chrissy M., and Reva P. Good morning, Larry. Good morning. Uh, can you hear me okay? I can, yes. Good morning. Okay, great. Good morning. Thanks, Melanie, for your service. I appreciate it. Uh, Larry Kay, Recovered uh, Compulsive Overeater. So, um, you know, Ebby um, was carrying this message uh, to Bill, and, uh, you know, he, he, was, he was restored to sanity 
and he had been uh, inwardly restructured um, in such a, a profoundly astonishing way that, you know, there, there was no need to conceal this fact. And uh, Bill was still stuck in the disease. And, you know, it, what occurs to me in this paragraph, you know, trying to carry this message to another still suffering compulsive overeater, when all that's been treated is the physical allergy, is like trying to push a boulder up a hill. You know, it's, it's, it's torturous. <laughs> um, but, but the good news is, is that, you know, when we've crossed over that bridge to true freedom, um, as a result of, of these steps, um, where we've been inwardly restructured, so that uh, the obsession of the mind has been, you know, obliterated uh, by God's mercy. And, uh, and then, you know, then what happens, then carrying this message um, will be the bright spot of your life. And, and, and it's not always easy, um, but it's extraordinarily satisfying to watch uh, God kind of flip on the light switch in others. And um, what's interesting in reflecting back before I was willing to do the work um, you know, my perceptive lens uh, deceived me. Um, you see, I, I always thought I was, I was burdening my sponsor, you know, and, and I thought, you know, this is, this is such a burden. And yet now I know from my own experience that, like Ebby, you know, here, not only did intensive work with me ensure their immunity from eating, from drinking, but it was the foundation stone of their recovery. So from the, the, you know, the early Oxford group uh, drunks like Abby, um, you know, and the, and the link in the chain to you and I, here we are December 1st, 2015, we're, we're reminded of our main purpose, which is to be of maximum helpfulness to others, to God and to others. And I love what it says in working with others when I think of Abby, you know, it says, burn the idea into the consciousness of every person that they can get well regardless of anyone, the only condition of course, is that they trust in God and clean house. Ebby wasn't trying to get Bill to place his dependence on him, you know, I don't think. You know, I'll, I'll cut to the chase that, you know, here's the truth for me today. If you place your dependence on me, you know, a finite human being, you, you, you know, you'll never ever, you know, stop binging, you know, long range here. The big book reminds us that we simply do not stop drinking as long as we place dependence upon other people ahead of dependence upon God. And that's what I see in this paragraph is that, um, you know, uh, if, if we can pass along the message, what, what message are we passing along? That of recovery and that this is a spiritual relationship between you and your higher power, not necessarily between you and me. I just, uh, just lighting a pathway that was lit for me. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Chrissy M. Hello, Chrissy M. Can you hear me? I can, loud and clear. Thank you, Chrissy. Oh, good. Morning. Good morning. Hi, I'm Chrissy M., a recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic from New Jersey. And um, I, I, I love this because I have, I have my, my real-life Abby, my real-life OA Abby, and a real-life AA Abby. And that's the way it happened for me. I, someone came to me, and I loved I loved this because it's the you know his his gin will last longer um he's thinking oh he's a crackpot you know there's something that i believe the higher power did in me that gave me the ears to hear that day and the heart really to know 
the truth of what that person was saying, to believe them, you know, to have that belief. Am I willing to believe? Do I want to believe that what this recovered person is saying is true? I really, I think that 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 is a gift. It's a combination of getting my butt kicked and God opening my eyes, my heart, and my mind. Um, And I choose to call my higher power God for me today. And that, you know, sitting across from my friend at Starbucks, and she said, I have, I found the higher power of my dreams, and I have an abstinence I've never had before. And having known her for 21 years already or more, and knowing the struggles that she had and seeing even how she spoke was without hesitancy and just complete confidence. And God gave me at that moment something in me. And it still took me a couple of weeks after. And I had a, a beautiful bottom right after that. So it was all orchestrated perfectly. And I'm so grateful for it. And and I pray that, you know, there's somebody today that is going to have a beautiful bottom and get abstinent today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Chrissy M. Reva P. Hello. Good morning. Oh, I didn't hear my name. Uh, good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. Um, I love the fact that this paragraph is written from Bill's perspective as a recovered alcoholic because he um, has perspective on where his mindset was. And this reminds me of my perceptions of the people and the meeting in general when I came to my first meeting um, of Overeaters Anonymous. And um, I thought the people were a little bit crackpots. Um, people were hugging each other and talking about things that I um, I had never heard before. Um, it seemed a little bit cultish. And that starry-eyed look and this whole um, almost sarcastic tone. And go ahead, you know, preach to me, um, my friend. And he was expecting his friends to um, go on and philosophize. And all he could focus on was that he'd have enough gin to last and who cares what the guy says. Um, and this reminds me of, um, you know, the 12-step work that I do I think I need to say the right things and put it all into words and describe things so beautifully. But really, the first thing that attracted me had nothing to do with what people said. It had to do with how they were. Um, That starry-eyed look, that um, look in the eyes, um, being fired up, it was as if bricks were lifted off these people's shoulders and their eyes were clear. Um, that's what attracted me. So this reminds me that it's attraction, not promotion. And we in recovery are examples of the big book, walking examples. Um, and it doesn't matter what I say because in the beginning, when I was in my food fog, I couldn't absorb a lot of information. All I knew was I was curious, like Bill, because these people had something that I couldn't describe. I didn't know what it was, but I knew I wanted it. Um, And to remember, being recovered is often more important than talking um, at the very beginning to attract somebody. And with that, I pass. 
Thank you, Reva P. Who else would like to comment on that paragraph, page nine? I was aghast. Janice M. Okay, I have so far Janice M, Sally A, Melissa C, and Vasa O. Gail T. Gail T. Let's go with that, please. Thank you. Janice M, Sally A, Melissa C, Vasa O, Gail T. Good morning, Janice. Well, good morning to you, Melanie, and everyone. My name is Janice M, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Well, you see, Bill is uh, shocked here. You know, he's shocked. First of, he, uh, first of all, he's in a, a self-will run riot position, so he's not too open-minded about what, what Ebby's going to tell him. And, you know, um, we, we must remember that, you know, Bill does have some information. Remember, Dr. Silkworth gave him, you know, the, pro, you know, the problem of the allergy and the obsession, but he's into drinking. So he's clouded, you know, so it goes to show us no matter how much knowledge we have, if we're still eating, we're not interested in anything else. At least I wasn't, you know. I mean, I I saw they looked beautiful. I heard what they said. But he's not ready yet. You see, he showed a little prejudice here when he said, oh, goodness, first he's a crackpot with alcohol. Now he's a crackpot about religion. So, I mean, he's not open-minded at all here. Um, you know, the and, and I think what it shows us too is uh, really self-will run riot. I don't want to know. I don't want to know what you what about your religion or anything about your OA program, about your sponsor. I just want to continue to eat. So he's not convinced yet. He even you know he knows about step one, but he's not ready because um, you know the and it goes to show me too that information doesn't give tra- transformation. And um, we'll see how the word religion, um, I believe he, he just does not want to, you know, know about that. And he's not convinced yet. And that's what step one is to me. You need to be convinced. You can have all the knowledge, but if you're not convinced that you're a real, like a, if I wasn't convinced that I'm a real, real <laughs> compulsive overeater, I'm not going to listen to anybody. Because, see, we've read before prior that, the only one that has been influenced with me is, of course, the food plus the ex-problem drinker. When I'm ready, because I've heard ex-problem eaters, compulsive eaters for years, but I wasn't ready, so I wasn't ready to listen. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice M. Sally A. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, Edition. For you, it's Sally A. in South Jersey, recovered compulsive overeater and these are some really powerful words. I was aghast. There's a lot that's being said here to us. First of all, I really believe that Bill is lying, that he wasn't really aghast. In fact, I think he was really hungry and, and thirsty and desperate. Um, so when he said, I was aghast, I think that many of us, uh, we, we have the same knee-jerk reaction of pride and prejudice. Um, and then I'm also reminded of in uh, – interaction where he tells us very clearly uh, our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. It is seldom wise, and here's my point, it is seldom wise to approach an individual who still smarts from our injustice to him and announce that we have gone religious. In the prize ring, this would be called leading with the chin. Why lay ourselves open to being branded fanatics? 
and I could go on. But the important thing here is Bill is smarting because he has his expectation. He's in the middle of getting ready for a binge. He's got his isolation. His wife has gone to work. He's got his stash around the house. And he gets interrupted by a phone call. He's already smarting from that injustice of, Doran, don't interrupt me. I'm in the middle of getting ready for a major binge here. And then his friend comes in and he's got his expectations of, oh, this is a nice break from being, you know, from drinking alone. This is, you know, he's got this expectation of my drinking buddy is here, but his drinking buddy walks in all fresh-eyed and, and sober. And so he's a little disturbed to begin with. And now his friend brings up the conversation of, I've got religion. So his expectations have just blown up. A grenade just landed in the room. And he brings up God, of all things, don't bring that up. And so he says, I was aghast. And he probably was a little aghast. But I'm sensing that he also has his pride and his prejudices in place. Because he's got his expectation of this guy that he's going to come and drink with him. And it reminds me of me getting ready for my own binges, and I certainly didn't want to be interrupted with a conversation about God because I had plenty of guilt and plenty of remorse about what my life looked like. And all this talk about what's going on in this guy's eyes, you know, that, that he's looking in his eyes. And I, when I look at pictures of myself and what my eyes looked like when I was in the food, they were vacuous. I was empty. I was dead man walking. And this man was not dead man walking. He was very alive. And this was all very unsettling for Bill. Thank goodness he was alert enough to recognize something very important was happening in this guy's life. Thanks for letting me share with that. I passed. Thank you, Sally A. Melissa C. Hi. Good morning. It's Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, I think back to when I um, came to OA again um, after being away for many, many years. Um, and, um, you know, I knew I was desperate. I knew I knew something about the allergy of the body, um, you know, kind of like how Bill had some knowledge. And I came on a Saturday morning to a meeting. And, you know, for, for someone like me who has a history of starting on Mondays, I was kind of thinking that I would go on Saturday, I would line myself up with a sponsor, because I knew that that's how this worked. I would get a food plan from someone, because that's what happened to me years ago. And then I could have my binge for the rest of the weekend um, and start on Monday, because I could never start on any day other than a Monday. You know, and when I went to that meeting, um, it felt like a cult. It did. People were really talking about God and the higher power. And yet I was in so much pain um, that, um, you know, it's like God comes through the wound. I loved hearing that, and that's really what happened for me. Although I wasn't ready in any way to swallow the concept of God at that point, um, I knew I had to take something. And so when someone approached me, you know, certainly bright-eyed and recovered um, and carrying the message and asked me um, if I was willing to start today, you know, out of my mouth came yes. And and then when I went home, I thought, oh, my God, what did I do? Why did I say yes? Um, you know, and so it's just that I think for me this just reminds me of the power of, you know, thinking 
and I knew what I was going to be doing that weekend. I thought he was going to be having his binge, uh, and it turned out to be something entirely different. And, um, you know, and then with that, my concept of God has grown because it's all-inclusive, never-exclusive. It's broady, it's broad, it's roomy, um, and I just love focusing on that. So when I think God is too difficult a concept for me, all I have to do is remind myself of that point. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Excuse me. Thank you, Melissa C. Vasa O. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Um, thank you, Melanie, for your service. And I am grateful, recovered, compulsive eater, calling from Florida. And uh, God brought me a messenger when I when I was at my bottom. Again, you know, this was my last stop, and if this didn't work, I was just going to, you know, eat to oblivion and just get myself bigger and get more sick physically, emotionally, spiritually, in every way. And like um, uh, Abby carried the message to Bill, and I had a friend that carried the message to me, and I'll never be so more grateful to her. And I was, you know, I was, I liked what she had to say, you know. I was open, you know, and I was I wanted to hear the message because I didn't want to die. And but she didn't mention God, you know, and I remember being afraid, you know, because I did grow up with fearful punishing God. Oh, I grew up in that kind of environment and I projected that on God, which I did not know that, you know. And uh, and also, like, again, you know, when I went, she 12-stepped me for about a week, you know, here and there. Every day we talked on the phone or whatever. And then she did take me to my first meeting. And I, 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 it, it just hit home, you know. I know what those people are talking about. And I liked what my sponsor had, the glossy eyes, the peace. Most of all, the body, I was looking to lose the weight, you know, that was, that's what I wanted at that time the most, to look good, you know. And then, of course, I learned later on, you know, if I didn't work the steps the way they laid out, and if I didn't have a God in my, God in my life, I'd go back into the food like I did in the past. So that's, that was my, you know, that was my goal to continue, you know, with my abstinence to have the clarity to work the steps. But I was ready and I was willing and I was open-minded. And uh, I know when I went to for my first meeting, I said, this is a cult, you know. That's what was going in my head. I wouldn't even drink their coffee. I was just so afraid somebody might slip something in the coffee because we used to have coffee in those days, you know. That's how we used to set up the meetings. But no dessert, not all that stuff, no food. But anyways, that's my story. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Gail T. And that was Vasa O. Can you hear me? I can. This is Gail T. from Texas. So how I'm looking at this, and I think it's how I'm projecting into what's going on, when... Abby is simply but smilingly, he said, I've got religion. In my estimation or my assumption, Abby and Bill probably talked a lot about religion, you know, at, at many bars or in their private homes or whatever. And so when he just simply and then just 
look at him and say, I've got religion, it probably brings up a whole history that they have in their discussions prior to this moment. And he did it very simply. And there are a lot of people who want to talk to me about their religion, and I don't get the time of day. And I think, sort of like, I'm really with, in my projection, I'm more like Stanley in this. He was aghast, and he didn't want his drinking to be interrupted, but there was something that walked through his door, and because it was one of his best friends, and he looked differently, and he said something so simply with a smile, which means that he wasn't going to force anything, but he with a lightness of hand. And and then Bill was in his own scenario, which did not defer Abby. And so it just progressed in a very way. And I I also have had, you know, my Abby, but I didn't have a best friend. But my first sponsor was, you know, just she reparented me. She really just showed me the way. And so I think I passed. Thank you, Gail T. Thank you for those that shared on that paragraph. I would like to move on to our next reader in the next paragraph, but he did no ranting. Chelsea H., are you ready for that? I am, Melanie. Thanks for your service. Thank you. I'm Chelsea H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater for today. But he did no ranting. In a matter-of-fact way, he told how two men had appeared in court persuading the judge to suspend his commitment. They had told of a simple religious idea and a practical program of action. That was two months ago, and the result was self-evident. It worked. Okay. I remember um, at the convention, Harlan G., our fellow visionary Harlan G., he covered this in such masterly detail. Um, he talked to us about how um, the three folks that went there to help Ebby uh, at the um, the hearing where he was going to be committed, um, Shep Cornell and Roland, um, Roland Hazard and um, Seber Graves, he said it was. And he painted the picture for us to let us see that um, basically what I got out of it, and as I continue to read this material, is that Ebby in today's vernacular would have gotten a court order from the judge to go to AA. I see that in my AA meetings a lot. They're going up getting the slip sign from the court. So he was turned over into Roland and them who gave him the information of the um, Oxford group so that he could recover. They and Evie turned his will and his life over after he went through those six tenants. And now he is in turn carrying the message to Bill W., and the the thing that really strikes me here is this whole um, interconnectivity of how it all came about and the whole orchestration of it, which has redefined actually religion for me. It has redefined what religion means to me because I used to be very uh, prejudiced against the word religion because I used a lot of modifiers in front of it to um, take away from what it actually meant to me. But my um, what I'm pointing to is that the whole idea of Dr. Silkworth working with Bill, giving him information, the whole thing in the background going on with Roland Hazard, going to Dr. Carl Young, who Dr. Carl Young in turn directing Roland 
to go and get some kind of a religious experience because he needed to have huge emotional displacements and rearrangements in order to have any chance of recovery. And then he comes back, and he, uh, and also, let's not forget William James, because we have him in the mix, too, with the varieties of the experiences of uh, different religions. And then it all comes around to coming back again to the, the uh, message being delivered with its integrity. And I, I'm finding that as I continue to work, one of the things that I have to look at as um, someone who um, was a sponsee, because Ebby was a sponsee coming now doing his work after he went through. Roland was his uh, sponsor, so to speak. So now I have to carry the message with integrity. I have to keep the message, not what Chelsea thinks somebody should study. I'm an agnostic. I can't bring that into my step work. When I'm enlarging my spirituality, I get to do that. But when I'm working with others, the message in this book and these pages, each individual has to have their own experience with it so that they can have their emotional rearrangements, so that the ideas, emotions, and attitudes are shift sufficiently so that they can stop repeating the same insane behavior so that I can stop being going to food and alcohol for relief. So for me today, this whole uh, paragraph talks to me about the whole idea of carrying this message, passing it on, this practical program of action, and the simple religious idea. So for me today, the word religion no longer is not an obstacle for my spiritual enlargement or any of my daily practices in growing and effective in understanding this with my divine director, Didi. The program of recovery for me today, those 12 steps, the daily practice of the principles underlying the whole thing, that's my religion. That's my life, being other-centered, knowing when I'm not so that I can be placed back into a place of neutrality by my guide of destiny. And Didi directs my flow of life so that I could be a maximum service. I become a channel, and I can carry this message not anything else except what's in these pages. And I'm really grateful that the arc of the whole process was broad and roomy for all, and um, as was shared earlier so beautifully. Thanks a lot for letting me share, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Chelsea. And just a reminder, we are on page... Hi, thank you. Just one moment, please. We are... Hang on just one moment, please. We are on page nine towards the bottom, but he did no ranting. That single paragraph there, please, to share on. So who would like to share, please? Paula D. Lynn S. Okay, hang on just one second. I'll give you a feedback on what I have. And there's an echo, so I will... Talk very slowly. Okay. I have okay. Nessa R, Tina S, Monica T, Paula D, Lynn S, and Amy G. Was there anyone else? Okay, Hi. I'll take that. Did you say Martha? Martha? Okay, oh, got no, you, Martha. I thought I thought you called my name to share. Sorry. No, I no, I, I did not. I did not. Would you like Would yeah. you like to share in this paragraph? Okay, Nessa R, Tina S, Monica T, Paula D, Lynn S, 
Amy G, and perhaps Martha Z. We'll see how that goes. Good morning, Nessa. Star one, please. Hi, good morning, everybody. Uh, this is Nessa. Uh, I'm sorry about the confusion before. I was um, so excited to be live on the line. Um, but this really speaks to me. He did no ranting. I know when I was in my disease, um, knee deep in, in food, uh, there is nothing that anybody could have said to uh, get me out of it, to convince me out of it, you know. Um, of course, if somebody had given me a magic pill, um, that would have enabled me to eat everything I wanted and be thin. I would have taken I would have taken it, you know, without a second thought. But um, to do all this work, uh, 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 there was no way I would have taken it. Um, I I really had to want it for myself. Um, I really had to be willing to do whatever it took to get out of the disease and. I take the same approach towards people. I, I don't rant. I don't try to convince. Um, even people who approach me, I, I, um, I actually, my physical transformation occurred over winter um, um, almost four years ago. Uh, this coming Sunday is going to be my fourth uh, year birthday of my abstinence. And so when, when we emerged, um, you know, into spring and summer without the coats, et cetera, people came to me, you know, friends, acquaintances, neighbors, what did you do? What did you do? And as soon as I would tell them what I did, I mean, most people stopped listening the moment I told them I let go of sugar and flour and sweeteners and all a bunch of other things. But even those who continued listening after, um, that and, and heard everything that what I, everything that I was doing. They they weren't interested. It's a lot of work, and there's nothing I can do to make someone want to do the work. Um, they gotta want it for themselves. And then people in the rooms who are struggling. I find sometimes I get calls, and people tell me, "But tell me what to do. Tell me what to do." And I and I tell them. This is what you have to do. You have to do that. You have to put down the food. You have to work the steps. No, 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 but I really mean tell me what to do. And, you know, people are just not prepared to listen. So, so there's no need for me to run. Um, it's all going to be a wasted breath the same way it would have been wasted on me, you know, way back when, even inside the rooms, um, you know, when I presumably was willing to go to any length, which obviously I wasn't because if I had been, I would have done it. But... Um, um, there's no need to run. Whoever wants it will get it. Um, and if whoever doesn't want it, they won't get it, regardless of what we do or what we say. Um, we just got to pass it on to those who are willing, to those who want to do the work, to those who truly, truly want not only the physical transformation, but the personality transformation that uh, brings one to recovery and to um, a closer relationship to the one who can provide the true sense of ease and comfort. And for me, that one is God, and I pass. Thank you, Nessa. Tina S., star one, please. Tina S., star one, please. I'm sorry, uh, Tina S. from Florida. 
Um, when I first came to Overeaters Anonymous, what I saw and what I heard was pretty overwhelming at first. And, you know, I initially came to lose weight. And so I didn't see a lot of recovery through my eyes in a room full of women that seemed to be ranting to me. Um, you know, thank you, God, that I came back to a few more meetings. And, you know, and I was at the time, and I'm still in another 12-step program. And another meeting I went to, I saw a woman that I had known from the other program. And uh, she was a normal body size, and I never had known that she was 100 pounds heavier. And uh, so she talked to me, and, you know, and I think she was my Abby because not that I knew her prior to her weight loss, but I knew her through her integrity and her honesty. So I knew she wasn't lying to me, you know, so it kept me coming back for um, many more times until I finally, until finally, for me that this program too can work in all areas of my life. You know, I initially start um, would pick and choose how to work the 12 steps and what areas that it worked in my life. And she also mentioned the program of action and I knew what she was talking about. So through that and through coming back and through really being open-minded, because when I got here, let me just tell you, um, I thought I knew everything. You know, sometimes today I still think I do, which I apologize most times for. But, you know, I knew nothing, and when I would just close my mouth and listen, I saw, and I, and I eventually started to hear in the rooms recovery through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, you know, I'm grateful to be here, uh, and I'm so glad for you all on the line. And I Thank you, Tina S. Monica T. Good morning, Melanie T. I mean, more... <laughs> Hey, this is crazy Monica T here. I am <laughs> a recovered compulsive overeater. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. Um, but he did no ranting. You know, he did no preaching. Oh, my God. You know, somebody had said, I got religion. I mean, did not just make the old hair stand up on my neck. Oh, my goodness. But in a matter-of-fact way, he told how two men had appeared in court persuading the judge to suspend his commitment. So I just wanted to go into a little more of the history here about Ebby. Um, Ebby is an old school friend, old drinking buddy, also, and, and Bill has known him for many, many years. And um, Ebby, he knows Ebby is, is an alcoholic, 100%, and Ebby is powerless. So the story behind this is that Ebby's father is a... a um, a politician in Albany, New York, and he's running for office. And, and, and Ebby's up to his antics and has gotten into all kinds of trouble, and he's a big embarrassment to his dad. So he says to him, why don't you head over to Vermont to the camp and, and at least get yourself sober, or if you can't, you know, at least do some work on the camp. So Ebby heads to Vermont to the camp, and he is painting the camp. Now, he's already gotten in trouble with the law there in Vermont a couple of times because of his drunken antics. He drove into some lady's porch, and that didn't go over too big. So now he's painting the side of the, of the camp, and there's a bunch of pigeons up under the eaves. And they proceed to do their business on his newly painted wall, and he's not very happy about that. So he goes and gets the shotgun. And he comes out and he shoots them. Of course, he makes a big old hole in the camp. And the neighbors aren't very happy about this. So they call the law on him. And he's he's now, um, he's going to have to go before the judge. And if he hasn't straightened himself up, he's going to get committed. Now, Bill knows, has heard this. They're good friends. And um, 
excuse me, Roland Hazard and Seba Graves have heard of this. They're friends. They also were drinking buddies of Ebby. And so they go up, and Seba Graves, it was his dad was the judge. Now, Roland and Sebra have been working in the Oxford group, and they have gotten sober. So they've come along to ask if they can take Ebby back with them and and, and use the, the method of the Oxford group on him. So that's the two men that appeared in court. And we're going to hear more about Roland Hazard later on. And they tell him of a simple religious idea, you know, step two, and a practical program, the 12 steps. And and it works. Abby goes to New York City with them. He goes and he he works the, the six tenants of the Oxford group and he gets sober. And of course, one of their tenants is that you've got to pass the message on. You've got to carry this on to others. And he's heard Bill's in a really bad way. So that's what he's done. He's doing here. He's coming to Bill. And um but I can just see Bill sitting there when when Abby says, I got religion, you know, uh, bless his pea-picking little heart, he's thinking, I've got enough gin. You know, the hairs must have been really standing up. But he didn't rant about it. Thank God he didn't rant about it. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Paula D. Star One, Paula D., good morning. Oh. And good morning, Melody, and thank you for your service. And yes, this would be Paula D., recovered compulsive reader, currently in New Hampshire. You know, I'd, I'd like to uh, zero in. Uh, let me be mindful of the time on these butts here. And I'm going to come into this paragraph, but first, but bless his heart, let him rant. We know that Bill was a wordsmith, and a wordsmith he was. He used his words well, and I'm going to go right where that says. What rant means is to speak in extravagant language. This is what Bill was expecting, by the way. Boisterous and empty. I think Bill knew that well, what boisterous was and what empty was. And there we see a combination. And there the pride in the emptiness. Being mindful that our friend Bill is drinking here. Even in the drinking, something came through. And look at care. But he did no ranting. Again, what he was expecting, he didn't get. In a matter of fact, that's it. He just gave him the facts. He didn't flourish it. He didn't make it bigger than what it was. He told me. And then he told him the story. They had told of a simple, there it is. And there we see why this book has had such success. Dr. Bob, what did he say? The last words, the last words to Bill W. were, keep it simple. We want to complicate it. There's our ego, constant deflation of ego. Keep it simple. Simple religious idea, spiritual idea. And a practical program, practical, something you can use of action. No more words, though. No more words. We often say the words, I'll pray for you. How about be in the prayer for them? That was two months ago. This is where Bill had to stop. Even in his alcoholic haze, 
and the result was self-evident. It worked. That's the fact. It worked. This man is standing in front of me, the man I knew last summer. I know this man, yet I don't know him. (laughs) Full of paradoxes. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula D. Lynn S., you're next, and that might take us to the top of the hour. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning. This is Lynn S. from Toronto. I was just sitting here, and the simplicity of the whole thing really spoke to me. You know, I I was just thinking we have so many different kinds of meetings, and right now in Toronto a lot of our meetings are folding, and there's this meeting and that meeting, and this one focuses on this and this focuses on that, and here you can do this and there you can't say that, and here you can't share and here you can. And I just thought it's so much not about that. It's so simple. There are simple religious ideas You practice a program of action, and you get the results. And that's all it is. And and being in this meeting last night was just an amazing experience of, of seeing a meeting that is dying, seeing somebody come in and share their story, who's standing there in front of people who saw, they had seen her struggle for years and years and years, and she got it. And I thought, it is so simple. I'm so glad we had the opportunity to carry the message, but it's just it just strikes me. Simple religious ideas, practical program of action, the results are self-evident. With that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Lynn S. And that does bring us to the, well, no, let's wait. Let me check the time here. I can do one more. Amy G., are you there still? Amy G, you're next to share. If not, I do have Martha Z. Did you want to share, Martha? Hi, Melanie. This is Martha Z. Can you hear me? I can. Good morning. Good morning. That will round us out this morning. Thank you for your service. This is Martha Z. I'm a um, recovered compulsive overeater from near Philadelphia. Thank you, God. And um, Chelsea and Monica did such a great job with the history um, of this. Um, I just wanted to say, though, that the first thing um, I noticed was we were talking about ranting and preaching, and I was smiling at um, how Bill said he never used the same word, like that he had taken this English class and that he wasn't supposed to use the same word. So sometimes he said rant and he said preaching at one point. And so I was just thinking about that. And um, uh, Monica and, and Chelsea talked about Roland Hazard and Seba Graves. And um, I was reading something and it said that Roland was never a member of AA and that Seba joined AA while living in France. And I thought that was kind of interesting. And um, I think the last thing I just wanted to do is I just wanted to um, turn to page 263 because they were talking about um, practical, simple religious idea and practical program of action. And they have the six tenets of the Oxford group there. And they were complete deflation, dependence and guidance from a higher power, moral inventory, confession, restitution, and continued work with other alcoholics. And they 
were the things that became our 12 steps. So anyway, I think that's all I'd like to share. Thank you for letting me um, put my input in. Thanks. Thank you very much, Martha Z. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone that shared today. We are at the end of our time. And please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Martha Z. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, I'm still Martha Z. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.